Blog Talk Radio. Contact centers around the globe. 
He's on the editorial board and writes a monthly article for Contact Center Pipeline and contributes to a variety of other journals and books, including the most recent edition of Call Center Management on Fast Forward. He's taught a number of classes in call center management and is a featured, speaker, a featured speaker at many industry conferences. Uh, previously, Jay ran the consulting division for ICMI for eight years, and before that spent 17 years running uh, award-winning call center operations. So it's my pleasure to welcome Jay Minucci. Hello, Jay. Hello, Jay. Let me see if I can get him back on there. Jay, are yeah, you there? I, I, I am here. Okay, good. Good. Okay. Well, welcome welcome aboard. All right. Thanks. I, I, I appreciate the introduction. It's great to be here with you. Okay, good. Well, Jay, you know, the industry gets a lot of criticism from customers about long, confusing menus. Uh, do you think that it's justified? Uh, you know, I, I wish it weren't, Bruce, but I, I think as an industry, I'd, I'd have to agree that it is. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that every contact center can be criticized for, for having a, a frustrating uh, call flow design, but there's enough of them that customers way too often have to run into choices that really wind up just being more confusing uh, than they are helpful. Mm, no, well, you know, it, it would seem that uh, putting a few choices together in good logical English and maybe some Spanish, uh, shouldn't be too difficult a task. You know, why why is it that it seems to be so difficult? Uh, you know, I it it may just be uh, because of what you said. I mean, the appearance of it is that that it is pretty easy to do, and I think because of that, we don't give it enough attention. And and the fact of the matter is a lot more difficult than it, than it appears on the surface. Um, that whoever has to do the design, you have to realize they're they're working on two sides of, of the problem, and the one is that they've got to get it so that it complements that skills-based routing application, so that mm-hmm. you can get that call. You know, it's got to get to the right agent. I mean, that's that's the purpose of the design. So they they've got a very technical piece there, but the other side of it is they've got a, a, a human interaction with it. They've got to write it in a way that a customer can understand it very quickly and move through it really very easily. So, mm-hmm. you know, so you've got somebody that really has to do both sides of the equation. They've got to engineer for human behavior and they have to engineer for an advanced application. And and that to me is really what makes it so challenging. Okay. No, those are excellent points, Jay. And and so the question uh, that I'm sure some of our listeners are asking is, how do you balance those two? And uh, I, I encourage all of our listeners, too, to uh, email in their questions or to call in their questions because we'd love to interact with you. But, uh, Jay, you know, how do you balance those, those two elements? Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 not that easy. Um, I, I think what you have to do when, when you start looking at the design, um, there's a lot of little tips and tricks. I mean, people have have written about them, and, and there's a lot of different uh, design practices that people are supposed to use. But I think you have to step back one step as you're going through the process of putting the design together, and you have to have an overall strategy. And, mm-hmm. and I, I always suggest a, a golden rule to, to clients when they're putting these together, and that is each customer reaching each menu should easily find one but only one logical choice for them. 
Yeah, and so really you need to put yourself, and this is what we preach so often, isn't it, that you need to put yourself in the customer's position yeah. and uh, try to think about what their demographic is like, what their need is like, what their thought process is like, and uh, to, to really try to uh, therefore offer them a menu that's going to uh, to work for them. It's like being in a restaurant and trying to make sure that there's a menu that involves that includes something that, that can appeal to everybody and yep. uh, get them to the result that they're looking for. Yeah, and, and the language, too, to, to the list of things that you added, I would say that the language as well. You know, we, we speak our own language in contact centers and in our own industries, and, you know, customers don't always recognize that, that same language. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just uh, last week I was giving a, a speech and uh, talking about the differences in uh, the different age groups. You know, you've got the boomers, you've got the silent generation, you've got the Gen X, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that you, uh, if you have a dominant uh, demographic that's calling into your center, take that into account. Make sure that your IVR reflects a knowledge of that group because they, they communicate differently. And yeah. uh, I want to make sure that you, you get that in there as well. Have you, have you seen that as well? Um, I, I have. And, you know, um, there's not a lot of businesses out there that that strictly cater to, to one type of customer. But where you do, that's where you really do see, when, when they've designed it right, you really do see differences from one to another. And, you know, you see people that, uh, you know, might break off from the – the given best practice because it doesn't work for their particular demographic, um, and I think it's especially true with businesses that cater more to the uh, to the Gen X or the Gen Y um, uh, uh, population. And you know they figured out different ways to communicate and better ways to communicate with their customers. And of course, that's got to be part of the design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and, and how do you see uh, advanced technology working its way into all this? Because uh, Speech recognition is in use in a lot of contact centers today. Um, how much is this helping make it easier for the customer and uh, making it easier for the call center manager who's trying to balance uh, everything that you've been talking about? Yeah, you know, again, probably very situational. Um, there are contact centers out there where I think it is, it's helping quite a bit. Speech rec, by, by the way, which, which you brought up, uh, I mean, it, if – if you haven't listened to it in the past five or ten years, it's way better than it was back in the the late '90s and the early 2000s. So the technology back when it was terrible, right? It, it, it was. Than... Yeah, I mean, it, you you never it never seemed to hear or understand what you're saying. But really now, you know, it, it, with simple phrases and 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 stated numbers and things like that, it it almost always gets it right. And in certain instances, I think um, speech rec it really fits great if if you've got you know a, a calling base that is typically mobile customers and and you know it's not really easy for them to punch in numbers it works well there um my, my favorite application for for speech rec is what i call a like a long list application um if you've mm-hmm. got a a contact center that for example has to um identify the state that somebody may be calling about and you can't do it through annie or some other means um to just be able to say, um, you know, I'm calling from uh, Pennsylvania or I'm calling from Texas, it just it cuts through what could be three or four very con- confusing menus. So um, it can be real helpful in some cases. You know, like anything else, you, you have to monitor it. You have to track how many times you're giving out that 
I'm sorry, I, I did not under, understand the response message. But um, as long as you do that and you've got the right application, I think it can be very helpful. Right. right. And, and what you were mentioning there about states, that can be very important, for instance, for uh, insurance companies where you have yeah. to have uh, people with licenses dealing with it or perhaps uh, those folks who have distribution in a specific geographic area. So that can be... Uh, you know, very important to to really speed things along, both for the center and for the customer. So yeah, yeah so important. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say I think you know the one thing it offers there it's really a it's a bit of a game changer. I, you, and you use the insurance example, which is really a good one. Um, you know, before speech rec, you know, you really don't have the capability to to ask that question with touch tone input. So you don't even think that you could identify the state that the person may be calling about. Um, but then you add the speech rec and you say, hey, now, now I've got a capability. I can actually change my business process. And that's that's just, that's exactly what you want to see from technology. Right, right, exactly. Where it gives you not just a little incremental step, but uh, something that's important for both you and for the uh, customer. Reducing your costs and at the same time, uh, increasing the, the level of service to the customer. And in, in terms of SpeechRec, I remember uh, being at a, uh, uh, an event not that long ago, and they were talking about uh, what was introduced in Canada, Bell Canada, uh, Emily. And there's mm -hmm. the story. I don't know if it's true or apocryphal, but it's a great story, that um, a woman called in, an older woman, and she interacted with Emily, uh, who's their uh, voice personality, if you will, Yep. and uh, had a very good experience and supposedly called a couple of days later because she thought of something else she needed and insisted on talking to Emily because she was such a nice young woman who had done such a good job for her a couple of days before. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's terrific. I hadn't heard that story, but that's a good one. And, you know, there's there's a few people that have, have taken that speech wreck and, and put the persona on top of it and, and really gotten something out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, these, these things really, uh, and I've seen uh, great strides done, too, and, and you're absolutely right. People who haven't heard uh, the latest in, in speech reco in the last few years really haven't heard it yet because it's it's so different than it used to be. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, Jay, that uh, we love are metrics. Uh, those are things that can really help to measure success at menu design. So let's go back to that for a second because uh, that's a, sort of an elemental building block of the whole thing. And um, it, it, this really isn't a format where we can go through the, the, the specifics uh, of, you know, how do you come up with the perfect, um, you know, menu design. But what are some of the ways that, well, actually you can, if you'd like to mention uh, some of those elements and also how you measure success at menu design. If you could comment on those things, I think that would be helpful to our audience. Hello, Jay. Hello. Okay. Yeah. No, we can. I think we now. lost it. Are, are we on? Yeah. We lost me. I'm not sure second. what. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I got dropped there. Um, oh, okay. So, Bruce, you might need to uh, repeat that uh, question. Okay. No, no, not at all. Well, if we could uh, just talk about sort of some of the elements of good menu design. Okay, some takeaways for our listeners with regard to elements of good menu design, and um, also. Uh, what are some metrics that can be used to measure their success? Mm -hmm. All right. So, well, let, let me start with the metrics first, then, because we're, we're in contact centers and we love numbers, right? 
So yes, uh, yes, yeah. So so I'll start there. <laughs> I think um, I think transfers is a great number because keep in mind you're you're certainly trying to use uh, the the IVR for self service, but you're you're really using it to route the call as well. If the call gets into an agent and then has to get transferred again, that's an indication that the menu didn't work. Um, you know, despite you know what you think you may have done with the design. So uh, transfers often aren't measured by contact centers. Most of the places I go don't measure them, and I think that they should. So that's that's number one out of the gate. And and a second one that I'll give you is I really like the idea of measuring the time that it takes to get through a menu. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I like to think of time in in terms of real estate but it's uh, it's the real estate that we have when we're doing design and you want to use as little of it as possible um a, a lot of phone systems don't measure the time that it takes somebody to get through uh an IVR so if if you don't have that well then you you know you're going to have to get manual and stop watches and those types of things and, and measure averages but uh, i think it's worthwhile to do it so um so the, the metrics point uh, oftentimes to the right practices, and, and those are two metrics that I think are, are really very important. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Uh, transfer is extremely important, and, and the time it takes to get through the menu. So there, it, it's almost like you're testing the patience of the person. So it's like one of those uh, either stopwatch or those uh, hourglasses that has a sand going through. And if you think of the fact that the, the sand that's going through that hourglass is like the patience of the customer on the phone. And you know, how far are you going to let it get down until they do something, which is actually the third uh, metric that we might look at, which is opt-outs, right? So right. Include in, in addition to transfers, which are, okay, did you get to the right person or, in fact, did you get to the wrong person and have to transfer to someone else in order to get the call uh, answered in the way it needs to be answered? Uh, in addition to the time it takes to get through the menu, Another one could be opt-outs, those people who uh, say, look, I've had enough of this uh, IVR. I want to opt-out to an, a live agent, whoever it is, just so that I can get a, a person to talk to me. So uh, I think these are, are great, great metrics, great metrics. Um, yeah, very good. Did you have something else there, Jay? Um, no, well, you had asked a little bit about, um, you know, design practices as well. Um, yeah. And I was going. One of the things I was going to mention um, that, while it takes a lot of, and I used the term engineering before, it really takes a, an engineering focus to put the the design in place properly. The other side of that fence is that the wording matters tremendously. So, um, I think once you've gone through and decided the mechanics of it and how it should design, you have to. One of the the best practices is to stop. And really look at the wording. Um, I, I love your idea of the the hourglass. You know, so you're thinking of the wording in terms of simplicity and speed, um, mm-hmm. but you also have to think of it in terms of the customer and what they understand and what they don't. Um, a, a great example is I, I did some work with a, a bank a while ago, and one of their options was uh, you know for demand deposit accounts press one uh, because. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the banking world understands what a demand deposit account is, but unfortunately, you know, not all your customers do. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's those small things. If you can take the time to look at the wording from a customer's perspective, that's a great practice that will really help improve self-service utilization rates and, and the accuracy of your transfers. 
Mm-hmm. Make it as friendly as possible. And, and I have a commercial banking out, uh, background, so I would know exactly okay. what they were talking about there. But I had to learn that. You know, I had to exactly. Had to yeah. Be trained in that. Uh, and you don't want people to have to go through training in your three-letter acronyms and your jargon in order to be uh, to be able to go through one of your IVR systems. So that's uh, a really good point. A uh, really good point. So. Actually, in part with that in mind, who should be in charge of menu design? Should it be the business part or IT? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I I think you can certainly make an argument for either. Um, And, you know, the IT department, they they will have the technical expertise to get the most out of the system that you have, the the, the IVR and the menu system that you have. Um, But, you know, on the other side of the fence, they're not going to have the, the business understanding. The, the business will have that, and they'll be more likely to be able to word things properly, but they won't necessarily be able to match it up with all the skills-based routing that sits behind your system. So, you know, both of them, um, they've got a piece of it. So, you know, I think the best approach is do you have anybody or do you have a, a group of people in the organization that understands some of both? Um, mm-hmm. and. In a lot of companies I go to, like I might find that in an advanced reporting group or in a workforce management group, you know, something like that. And if you've got staff that can really speak both languages, the language of the customer and the language of the technology, to me, that's that's the best place where where you could um, put the responsibility of menu design. No, I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that's one of the bilingualisms that uh, is lacking oftentimes. But the ability to speak the customer's language, and the ability to speak the interior language and the and the technical language is very important. Well, well Brian, I, I know that you got some uh, view uh, some listener questions coming through. So uh, why don't I turn it over to you for a second to ask those? Okay, sounds good, you guys. And uh, I do want to remind all of our live listeners uh, that if you're on the phone or would like to call in, you can do so and just press the number one. I'll be able to talk to you off air and then get you on air and let you interact with uh, Bruce and Jay today. That phone number is one three four seven eight five seven three one one seven. And I already noticed and want to thank some of our listeners uh, from Michigan, Florida, and Massachusetts, just to name a few. But I have about five or six questions through call talk uh, that people are chatting in. So Let's dive right into those. Uh, the first one is, what's the best way to deal with background noise when using SpeechRec? Hmm. Jay, do you have something on that? Um, that? That is a great one. And, you know, as much as I've said I, that the technology has improved, um, that's the one thing that, that really causes a problem with it. Uh, the systems are better now than they ever have been. They're doing a better job of being able to filter out background noise, but it is still a problem. Um, it, it's it's the one area where you run into issues, and I think I'd mentioned that I thought a good application for SpeechRec is when you have people that are on the go, that, that are mobile. Um, the downside to that is the, is the, uh, the background noise problem and, and just the, the quality of, of the line in general. Um, I think the, the only thing that I can say as far as doing that is there, there's a there's a few different speech rec companies that are out there. There's there's not that many, even though you can get your um, your IVR and, and your auto attendant applications from a lot of different players. Um, when you look at it and when you buy speech rec from them, it's really only coming from two or three different vendors. Um, and I would look closely at who it's coming from, who's providing the speech rec. 
um, and and go with the organization that's really um, got the best speech rec, and and your vendor will be able to help you with that because they know they know who the best ones are. Yeah, you know, I think uh, this is the case where exactly, uh, for instance, travel uh, airlines, et cetera, they're perfect for speech recognition because you're on the go and you want to just be able to speak something in instead of be being uh, pushing buttons. However, uh, you're more likely to have uh, noises from the cab, uh, noises from uh, you know the the, the office building, uh, even the screaming baby uh, that could get in the way. And, and and I think what we may see in the future is that uh, these systems are able to voice print you at the beginning. So assuming they get a good voice print of you up front, then they screen everything out except for what fits your voice print. And uh, when we get to that point, then I think we'll have uh, something that answers the uh, the listener's uh, question pretty well. Who, who was that, by the way, Brian? Unfortunately, I can't tell. It's just saying guest on there, but uh, thank you to the okay. guests for asking that. And, and my next question is right along that line, if you're uh, if you're done answering, Bruce. Yes, I am. Yep. Let's go on to the next. Okay. okay. The next one is, uh, should you always give the option to use dual-tone, multi-frequency, or speech? Uh, all right, I'll, I'll take this and, and pass it off to, to you there, Bruce, and see if you've got a, a, a different opinion. I, I think that you should. Um, I think, you know, as much as we may be comfortable with it right now in the industry because we've been, you know, we, we've been around speech rec for so long, for most of our organizations, a lot of our customers really aren't that comfortable with it. So you you want to provide that as a as kind of a bridge for customers to be able to kind of get used to, to talking to a machine, for one. And then secondly, you know, depending on what your application is, if your application is fairly simple, there are people that will still find it a lot easier just to push a couple buttons. If you've got you know, three menus, you know, no more than three or four options. A lot of people would probably just as soon push the buttons if they're in a an environment where it's it's simple to do that in office or, or, or in their house or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, that there are people who would be, um, who are more comfortable using it uh, and for a variety of reasons, uh, have to do with accents, everything else, it's, it's good to have both if possible, so. Yeah, I would agree with that, and thank you for that question. Uh, Brian, do we have others? Oh, yeah, a couple more coming. Uh, This one, another uh, guest. What's the optimum number of choices for main options and (laughs) submenus? We were talking about this before, (laughs) weren't we, Jay? We were, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I've I've seen it written. Um, you know, uh, you hear the uh, the three by four as kind of a guideline. You know, no no more than three menus, um, no more than four choices deep on each one. And and my take on that is, I, I really like the idea behind it. It's it's a um, kind of an objective um, way to produce what you were talking about before, Bruce, when you were talking about having an hourglass there. The idea is to make it simple and to make it quick and easy for your customers. Having said that, though, I have found that people bind themselves up. They say, well, I can't have more than four options on this menu. So instead of adding a fifth, they do something else. Um, They either cram a few selections together or they create another layer of menus and 
the, the something else that they do nine times out of ten is worse than if they had just broken that rule uh, by a little bit anyway. So I think they're good guidelines, but I really do believe that each company um, is is going to be very customized in their approach to how they structure the number of menus and the number of choices. But And you just have to try and keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I kind of start with a 4x4, four four, uh, just like the uh, the cars, you know. Uh, but then you have to really uh, look at the individual situation and what the alternatives are given uh, the options you have to give to your customer. And also, just like uh, in certain industries, in certain areas, you can have metrics that will look quite different because people are willing to wait longer, for instance, for their healthcare supplier, uh, whereas they'll get very uh, annoyed perhaps with their um, uh, ca- catalog company if they don't pick up pretty quickly. There, yep. there are certain tolerances that people will have for their different industries, and so you need to, to check that uh, you know, with your industry, with your user group, and then uh, try to follow uh, customer satisfaction surveys as, as much as possible and find out you know, what the tolerances are for your group or do um, some uh, IVR testing to see what seems to work for, for yourself. So I, I agree with you, Jay. It, it has to be tailored to your situation. Mm-hmm. But it has, it has to be tailored in a way that's uh, as scientific as possible and keeps in mind the, uh, the needs of the customer. Uh, not just something where it's sort of, uh, well, we, we can't do it this way, so we'll do it that way, and, uh, you know, the, the customer would be damned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact that it has to be customized isn't an excuse to, to forget that it still has to be simple and easy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, good, good, good question, good question. Do we have another one, Brian? Uh, yeah, we do, but uh, before I get to the next couple, uh, it's about 30 minutes after the hour, and, uh, you know, this is at the point where we wanted to uh, offer up the giveaway here in a second, and, and from what I'm listening to uh, both uh, Bruce, you and uh, Jay mentioning that an IVR setup is obviously very custom to the industry, and that uh, you almost need to take some sort of assessment uh, to decide and figure out if it's working or not for you, and uh, and. Behind that, that's, I think, part of the reason that we are wanting to offer this to all of our viewers or our listeners today. And uh, part of an assessment engagement, there is a panel of people from the United States and Canada will actually call in and uh, go through a couple different scenarios and then respond in another survey how well they were able to get through the IVR, if they reached the correct person, how long it took, and then all that information is available for further assessment to the client. So with that being said, uh, it's time to give that away. And uh, what we want to do is it's a 50% off coupon for a call center IVR assessment. And this engagement is already a deal at $7,500. But in an effort to show you and all of our listeners our appreciation for listening into it and giving us all the great questions and suggestions that you brought to us, we want to give you something, uh, uh, that assessment, for half off. And uh, so the catch is this, though. You must be able to use it within one to two months. And it's okay if it doesn't end up working out that way. But I want to award it then, if it does, to another listener on today's show so that uh, we make sure someone gets to take use of, make use of this. So here's how we're going to do it. And to be as fair as possible, basically you're about to send out an email, but don't do it yet. First, let's Put everyone on an even uh, playing field. Enter in the address, and that's mine, brian at benchmarkportal.com. 
and then in the subject line type in IVR. So I'll give you a second to do that. Again, it's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at BenchmarkPortal.com. And uh, keep in mind, this is a, a $3,750 kind of thing that we're throwing out there for you guys. So hopefully you're interested. So um, now we're all on the same page, hopefully. This is where it comes to your part of the equation. Remember earlier in our show, just today, when Bruce and Jay were talking about metrics. So here's the question. What is one of the two metrics that Jay mentioned that can be used to measure the success at your menu design? One of the two, and actually three were actually thrown out, but all I need is one of them. So the seventh person in my email to have the correct answer to that will win the 50% discount for an IVR assessment. Go! And good luck to everybody, and uh, hopefully we'll see who gets that here soon. So to our archive listeners, I'm sorry, but this is only good for the live listeners. But if you're listening to this a month down the road and you send me an email, uh, I appreciate it. Happy to talk to you, but I, I can't give you the, the 50% discount. So good luck, everybody, and I uh, hope you'll learn a lot from that exercise. Okay, so on to our next question. Uh, this comes from another guest. So Jay and Bruce, can an IVR be set up to deliver personalized messages to preferred customers? Good question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I, I actually think that that's uh, potentially the future of what you're going to see with self-service because I think you know many organizations have tapped out the the current strategy, which is hey, let's find the the simple and the short and the ordinary and and move those into self-service. And I think what what we're going to start looking at now is what are the personalized patterns. And and I'll even I'll, I'll give an example because I, I go through this every time I travel internationally. Um, once I do that, when I come back, and, and normally it's for business, so the first thing I need to do is uh, create a, an expense report. And I don't know the exchange rates from wherever I was uh, at the time that I may have used my credit card. So I always need to call my credit card company. Um, and obviously the credit card company knows that I was out of the country because they're seeing the transactions. At some point in time, what I'd love to see is calling into the credit card company, and instead of being given my account balance and my last check date and my last check number, that they recognize, hey, uh, this is Jay calling again. Uh, he, he was uh, over in Europe last week. He always calls after he's traveled internationally. Um, he probably wants exchange rates, and boom, my menu becomes, you know, selection number one, do you want exchange rates um, for, for any international travel? Um, and, and that is, you know, there's companies out there that are starting to look at that now. Obviously, you know, a programming intensive, a, a customized type of operation, but I, I, I do think that that's the next horizon of, of, of what we're going to see with, um, with IVR applications. No, no, I, I agree. I think that that is actually a very exciting area of uh, CTI, you know, computer telephony integration going forward. And uh, with particularly the rise of the Gen X, Gen Y folks, it's not so much, you know, the my company loves me because they gave me a person to talk to. It's more uh, they love me and deserve my loyalty because they gave me the answer I'm looking for in a really cool way. And <laughs> I think that's what uh, the future is going to hold, and it's actually going to be very good for all of us, uh, both as customers and as managers. Uh, not necessarily going to be an easy thing to do well, but uh, when it's done well, it's going to elicit a lot of wows you know, from, from the customer base. So great question. I really like that one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. 
actually, okay. I can follow up with that. Um, and this uh, is coming from Anda in reference to the to the last question. Can this be done on outbound to announce this call will be recorded? Uh, yeah, it, it can, and and it is now. Um, I, I know that there's, you know, and again, it's going to depend on what kind of equipment you have, but that's the type of thing that can be added to um, dialing equipment, and um, and also even even virtual hold type of equipment, which you know, in in effect, is is an outbound call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and one of the things that we're seeing too uh, is that there's more emphasis on doing outbound really well. Um, I think that it's a area of the call center uh, field, really, that uh, has found itself extremely uh, regulated and has been, uh, you know, sort of uh, corralled toward best practices. And uh, it's a sort of part of that overall movement uh, toward professionalization. And, and we see it actually coming uh, to, to some good points. And it, it, it's something that needed to happen and is happening. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of emphasis on best practices in that area going forward, including the ones you just mentioned, Jay. So those are good. Uh, good. Brian, do you have some more? I know we're kind of getting to the end of our time, but if you have one or two more, maybe we could uh, still have time to answer them. I sure do. Okay, this one comes again from a guest uh, asking, what are the best techniques to reduce dropouts in the IVR? And then I've got another question followed up by that uh, from Ann, if, if we have the time. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think um, to keep people from dropping out, it has – uh, I mean, obviously, there, there's some there's some mechanical things that need to be in place. A lot of times, people drop out because of um, delays in, in connecting to back-end database systems and things like that. So you you certainly have to clean those types of things up. But um, beyond that, I think the key to pe keeping people into it comes in advance, and it comes in the manner in which you direct people into those applications. Um, if uh in in some instances and in some uh organizations where the self help options are going to be um a little bit more complex uh i think usually rule of thumb uh it's better to let people know hey you're going into a self service application so that they can prepare for it on the other hand, where where the information is pretty simple, you know, the account balance type of thing or, or a mailing address, that type of thing, it's better to simply work it into the conversation, get people to, within the menu, indicate, hey, what I need is a mailing address and simply provide it back, or what I need is an account balance and simply provide it back um, without even, um, you know, going into the explanation of, you know, you're you're entering an automated system right now. So it's most of the work that happens up front to get people in um, that will determine whether or not they stay in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And there's, uh, you know, uh, again, part of it is going to have to do with the demographic as well. Uh, just as we've seen on chat, totally different topic, but uh, – Whereas, uh, you know, you had these people who were able to uh, multitask and take up to four or five chats at a time. Uh, usually they're members of the Gen X, Gen Y generation because they're able to do that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, if their counterparts are all Gen X, Gen Y, then they demand a, a quicker uh, type of service than uh, it was the case in the past. And so they can, you know, your, your agent can actually handle fewer 
you know, here, uh, similarly, you're going to have people drop out according to their tolerance for what's going on. And it's not necessarily going to be the, the younger people, uh, the Gen X and Yers, who uh, drop out more quickly. In some cases, it will be the uh, people, uh, you know, I have some family members who are like this who say, just get me a person. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, how do you make your IVR attractive to those people so that they don't want to uh, drop out? So, anyway, okay, Brian, do we have one more before we uh, we wrap this up? Yeah, we sure do. This one comes from Anne and uh, asking, do you always offer option to repeat menu and an option to return to previous or main menu? Mm-hmm. I, I had this question come up uh, uh, the other day. I was doing a, a presentation on, on this topic, and someone asked that. Um, you know, there's usually some, some standards on that, you know, about, uh, you know, using the star button to return to last menu and that sort of thing. Um, I, I, I'm a proponent of, of very simple and easy menus, um, and a lot of times uh, when I'm designing, it's, it's usually a, a, a two-choice, a two- or three-choice menu because that, that tends to be easier for us as humans to just choose one or the other. Um, and I think when you have simple menus like that, I, I think you're cause more confusion by saying, if you want to go back, if you need this repeated, press this. If you want to go back, press this. If it's just a simple one or two or one, two, three type of menu, I think you're better off not saying it. Now, you can always program for it so that, you know, if they do hit uh, a star and, and typically that means go go to the uh, previous menu, then uh, then you can program it in. But that doesn't mean that you have to say it. And as I said before, I, I consider the menus the same way as I consider real estate. So I want to use up as little as possible. I want to use as few words as possible to get my message across. So most of the time I, I like to design without stating that, even though in the background I, I may program it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and I might differ a little bit on that one, uh, Jay, mm-hmm. in that uh, I like the repeated one because I use it myself so often. And uh, there you know, having that option uh, to to repeat so I can get a pencil, so I can understand it, uh, whatever it happens to be, uh, I think it can can be useful. But, uh, you know, I understand mm-hmm. your point. I think uh, that uh, that's one, though, that, that, that we recommend that oftentimes be there. So uh, for Ann, uh, maybe, Ann, were you at that uh, speech he gave the other day and we're asking the question again? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, well, listen, I think uh, this is great. We have had such good questions coming from the audience. And, uh, Jay, I really want to thank you for your insights. Um, Mm -hmm. Really, really uh, great insights on this very important area. Uh, It's one of those areas that uh, involves a lot of blocking and tackling. It's really very getting down to the nitty-gritty of what we do in terms of handling calls, call flow, all of those things, but uh, just extremely important. And when it's done well, makes such a, a difference for our, our call centers. So uh, thank you very much for being with us. And uh, with that, I'd like to hand it back over to, to Brian. All right. Well, thank you, Bruce. And uh, thank you very much, Jay, for joining us on the show today. As everyone, I'm sure, on the call knows, IVR is a very crucial component to the success of a call center and, uh, and good customer service to your clients. So a lot of good information out there today. I do want to congratulate our winner, and thank you, everyone, for emailing me. Had over 30 respondents there, and it turns out that Ann from Technology Partners is the winner. So, Ann, congratulations, and I will be in touch with you and, and help set that up for you. So uh, thanks again to all 
of our listeners and uh, just a really good show and want to encourage you to join us next month where we'll take a close look at time management with industry expert Paul Burton. So, of course, don't forget to sign up for uh, one of our free Reality Check Benchmark reports to see how your call center compares to others in the industry. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap that up here once again from Call Talk and from all of us here at Benchmark Portal. Keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.